0: for your glory. Amen. Today's scripture is from Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in Enfield, Connecticut, which is at the northern uh, most part of Connecticut, where it touches Massachusetts, there is a, uh, there's an intersection today that you can go to, and that intersection has, there's a, there's a Catholic school right there, and there's, a, like most intersections with a crosswalk, uh, you would see maybe a little landscaping kind of area, and there's a, a place that has uh, mulch and little plants there. And if you look closely, uh, when you stand there at that crosswalk, you'll see a large rock and the rock has printed on it, uh, there's kind of a plaque there, and on that rock is printed, this is the location where Jonathan Edwards preached Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You hear this morning scripture reading, you think you're about to get one of those sermons. Like, what does all this talk about death? Now, just to give you a little modern update, when I went and saw the rock in Enfield, I enjoyed it, took some pictures, and then I went to Chick-fil-A. So just kind of more of a 21st century visit to the rock uh, there. But August 5th, 882, that's a date, a long time ago uh, in history. There's a ruler of one of the French kingdoms, his name's Louis III. He was pursuing a girl that he had romantic interest in, and so he was on horseback. He's riding after this girl. She, meanwhile, uh, flees into her father's home. So it gives you a little bit of indication what her interest was. (laughs) Quite different from what Louis had in mind. She's on foot, Louis's on horseback. And so it goes. There's a reason here why your parents told you not to ride your horse in the house. We're about to find out why. When Louis arrives at the doorway, he hits his head on the lintel. It's kind of a low doorway. He falls off the horse, hits the ground, fractures his skull, and dies. Right? Interesting way to start a sermon. But here's the thing. When we look at Louis's life, history tells us that his short reign was marked by military success, military victories. But his untimely death tells us another story. There's a way that's right to a person. But in the end, it leads to to death. In life, there's a lot of routes that we can go down. There's a lot of routes that we can travel and we can choose. And what the scriptures do is they they lay before us as as readers and observers. They serve as a witness to us of, of two particular ways. Uh, that we see in life. One being the way of death, the other one being the way of life. So let's talk about the way of death for a moment here. You scan the book of Proverbs itself, the way of death is described by these kinds of characteristics. Unfaithfulness is one of those characteristics. Lack of reverence of God. Wickedness in the pursuit of evil. Laziness uh, makes that list. Uncontrolled cravings. uh, An undisciplined life. And then, of course, the big word that we've heard the last couple of weeks, foolishness, the life of a fool. The way of death, in total, is considered by the scriptures an ungodly life. And what might be most surprising to us as we look at our text this morning, as we consider what this proverb is saying to us, is that the way, this way actually appears to be right to the people that are walking on it, that are traveling down that route, uh, they're not seeing it as that list of of vices, and the reason being that when it comes to life, you and me have a perspective that is very, very limited. In fact, in Louis's life, when we look at his death, that was a one-off. Right? Makes one mistake, and he dies. But in life, oftentimes what we find is a series of calamities. And I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning. I don't want to pull a story out of the congregation and start sharing that about how a life of calamities or things that you could be involved in uh, would lead in that series. And so I decided I'd just tell you a story from my own life. And we'll just go from there. When I was in middle school, how many people have a middle school story? You think back to middle school, there's some sort of story in middle school that's... Well, when I was in middle school, my friends and I were celebrating the end of a school year. And we decided to do it in the way that middle school boys oftentimes do. Uh, We decided we'd do it by lighting rubber cement on fire right so we um, at the time elementary school teachers were encouraging us to purchase a rubber cement one of the guys in our group had he happened to have one of these jars left over in his bag by the time we reached middle school and he pulled it out now back then I should add here that rubber cement actually came in a glass jar so today I think it comes in a plastic container but back then it came in a glass jar that's important to the story someone got the idea of rubbing it on their pants and lighting their pants on fire I think is where it started and, and in true middle school form, all this was going down in the middle of a street, right? I'm not sure why that was the case, but we were all staying in the middle of the street doing this. We decided to write some words, start lighting that on fire, and things kind of progressed as we went on in this, this series here. And someone got the idea we should light the jar on fire. And so they lit on fire, and the next best thing to lighting a jar on fire, of course, is to throw it in the air as high as you can and watch it come crashing down to the street. Of course, it's made of glass, blows up shadows across the street and now we have flaming rubber cement across the street when a bus comes driving down the street a line of fire across the street there from this rubber cement now we have to make some decisions some really uh, key choices have to be made in the next few moments uh, to keep the bus from driving over the fire or even worse stopping and, and calling us out and so what we do is the one thing that is certainly the wisest move at that moment Stomp out the fire. Now rubber cement is flammable, we know that. But we also know rubber cement is sticky. And so as we stomped out the rubber cement our shoes are now covered with burning and flaming rubber cement. And the bus is still coming. And so uh, we do the next best thing, right? You have to make decisions in the moment. Uh, when you're faced by you know, adversity, when you're faced by different challenges, you have to make a decision in the moment. And being the young scholars we were, we made uh, a a key, uh, key momentary decision there, we were going to run out of the street into my friend's yard, at which point we set his yard on fire. If you would have asked me, minutes before we lit the rubber cement on fire, that my actions over the next few minutes were going to set my friend's yard on fire, I probably, underline the word probably, I probably would have chosen a different course but isn't life like that and this is that's you know this is just a small silly uh, middle school type experience but isn't that really like what life is like sometimes we find ourselves in a in a, a spiral of sorts we find ourselves in a position where we're making decisions and after a while each decision seems to make sense in the moment but when we start looking back we realize that it's just moving us further and further and further down what we could call the way of death it's moving us into foolishness and we these these decisions begin to compound on themselves and before we know it we're we're far into this experience i think matthew henry who observes here uh, a famous commentator he talks about this he says self-deceivers prove self-destroyers self-deceivers prove self-destroyers how easily we can find ourselves going down that road so as the scripture talks about this way of death It talks about uh, all kinds of categories as we go throughout the scripture from the beginning to the end. Uh, We recognize that the way of death is something that can be comprehensive to all of life. We see the death of relationships. We see the death of communities. uh, We see the death of the body and death of the soul. And so we see all these different places where our actions and decisions, particularly on a grand, larger scale, can lead to the death of all these different places. And it's so easy for us to get down that path. So easy that Jesus warns his disciples in Matthew 7. Remember what he said there, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus offers that warning to us because he knows how easy it is for us to go down that way of death. And it's a serious thing for us to, to recognize here as a church when we think about the way of death and where people are at in this congregation, but also in this community. First John, if you remember, in First John chapter 5, actually advises the church that we're to be ones who actually pray for those who find themselves on that way of death. Uh, John will write this, he says, If you see your brother or sister committing what is not a mortal sin, you will ask and God will give life to such a one, to those whose sin is not mortal. Mortal sin simply being this, the sin that kills you right away. You're not doing a Louis III type of thing, um, but you're involved in a pathway, that, that road, that way of death. We, as a church are to be in prayer for one another. And the church all the time sees expressions of the way of death. We see people get trapped in addiction. We see people who get trapped in bad decision making. We see people who get trapped in places where they start blowing up their lives. And that happens all the time in the church because the church is full of people. And that's what people do. But what we do as a church is different than the call, the general call to community. When we think about outside the church, there's not the call to pray for one another. There's not the call to be covenanted with one another, to walk alongside each other, even in our deepest places of regret and brokenness. And so the way of death is a path we certainly walk down, but it's not the only way the scriptures talk about. The second way is the way of life look at the way of life, uh, this, this particular category of, of way is, is one that oftentimes gets relegated to the afterlife. We immediately say you know, we're, when we're talking about the way of life uh, folks will jump immediately to we're talking about things like heaven and what happens after you die. But I want us to expand our thinking a little bit here and see the scriptures for what they're saying when they talk about the way of life. Not just talking about eternity or the future after death, but actually talking about all of life all the lives that we live. And there's a couple pieces that we find in Scripture uh, that help us see that uh, come to light. And the first one is this, and it's something that I call that's in the Bible, but it's not biblical. Now, if anybody has their heresy radar on right now when they hear something like that, this is something that's in the Bible, but it's not, it's not biblical. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Remember when Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished the race? You know when he says that line? Um, it makes like a, it's like a great like if you're to say this is the Christian life if I could live that way 24-7 I will have lived a great life of witness and faithfulness if that was my testimony. So if I could do that 24-7, that's how I lived all the time man, that'd be incredible. Well, it just so happens that that passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 right, 24-7. right. so that's what I mean it's in the Bible, but it's not biblical someone out there is going, ooh if you have a life or death situation and you got to call for help what do you call 911 If you go to Proverbs chapter 9 verse 11 you'll read uh, at that point for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life years will be added to your life that's the hope when you call 911 that's the hope of what happens Proverbs 9:11 draws us to that passage but the for me what are we talking about here the for me here in this text is wisdom is wisdom for by wisdom your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life and so wisdom plays a pivotal role in the way of life it's what allows for that pathway to be a particular pathway that leads not to death but leads to life the second passage we find uh, continues in that it's in proverbs chapter 19 verse 8 to get wisdom is to love oneself to keep understanding is to prosper. And to hear in that, that the way of life is not, again, not a future destination, but it's a life of prosperity. Um, and don't get nervous here that I'm going to go into some sort of televangelist mode here and promise things that we can't promise. But to recognize that's the heart of God for each one of us. That God's desire for us is that we might experience life, that we might prosper in this life. It doesn't necessarily look like you are rich monetarily but it does mean that you live a different kind of life, that you enjoy a different kind of life than you would have otherwise. And so as we kind of think about these different ways, the question here uh, that we come to is, is how do I connect myself with that? How can I connect myself with that way of life? What are things in the Christian life that I have as resources that help me in this particular pathway? And I thought, since we're doing a little teaching here in the next couple minutes, We'd go back to our our grammar school days for a moment. We talked about middle school already. Let's talk about grammar school a little bit. And the three R's. Remember reading, writing, and arithmetic? Um, The three R's. Of course, these ones will actually start with an R. The first one is this. We have recorded wisdom. God has given us a wonderful gift in the scriptures uh, that we can call here recorded wisdom. When you're setting out on a journey, any journey that you go on, and as we talked about the way of death, the way of life, any journey that you and I set out on, uh, don't we benefit from having a map? It helps us in the middle of the journey if we end up getting lost. It helps us as we set out to have some idea of which direction we're heading. But having a map is a, is a key thing to have, and having a map in the Christian life is incredibly important. Recorded wisdom, the scriptures, uh, serve that particular purpose. I like what John Piper says here at this point when he talks about recorded wisdom. It's not a dead-end street leading to a cul-de-sac of misery. Sometimes we get that feeling that if I, the scriptures are going to be the killjoy. It's going to wreck, wreck my plans. But actually, it's, the, it's a connection to say that you are now connected to life and that prosperity. When I was in Connecticut, I drove around with a printed map in my car. Had it right there in the, in the door. Um, and, you know, Of course, you get lost when you look at the map and stuff. But right there in my door. Unfortunately, the map was the state of Washington. And so it wasn't going to help me one bit. The scriptures, and particularly as we look at Jewish wisdom literature, uh, serve as the right kind of map for us. And so our call in recorded wisdom is to be a people of study. And so a question for you this morning, if you've found that you've lost your way a bit, um, how's your study going? How's your study of scripture look these days? Are you allowing that to be a resource for you, uh, a, a good resource that God has provided to you, uh, to be able to use to cultivate your life of discipleship and faith. Of course that's just one of, of three here. Second one is this as we think about wisdom not just recorded wisdom but requested wisdom. Requested wisdom. The scriptures talk about this requested wisdom um, and I was reminded of a story when I was living actually back east there was a story that came across the news in January of 2018 there was a driver who drove their car into Lake Champlain in Vermont um, which you know people drive into bodies of water all the time uh, the, reason, the reason they drove in was because their GPS app told them to and um, said take a turn and they drove into the lake. You can have the map, you can have the map, but sometimes it's not enough because you're either at that moment struggle to understand what you're reading or there's all kinds of factors that are going on uh, in your heart and your life that are preventing you from uh, spending uh, the type of time you need to uh, there. And so God has graciously provided to us yet another layer of wisdom. Not something that's done um, for us to say this replaces it, but it's another layer for us, and it's this requested wisdom. You remember uh, in uh, James 1.5, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously. And that idea, again, prayer and requesting, God gives to us. Um, Jesus is going to pick that up again in Matthew 7, where he says, ask and it will be given you search and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and for everyone who knocks the door will be open again god uh, provides to us another layer of wisdom uh, what we can call requested uh, wisdom at this point how do you connect yourself to that prayer so if you've lost your way if you found yourself having lost your way just as I ask the question, how's your study look at this point? How does your prayer life look these days? Have you lost your way in, in prayer? Again, yet another layer that God provides to us. And the last one here, um, if we're doing our R's, is revealed wisdom. There's a revealed wisdom. Hebrews begins with these words, Long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son. Colossians 2, Paul notes that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And we see in 1 Corinthians that Jesus had become for us wisdom from God. Of course, John's Gospel, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That God has given to us not only in recorded wisdom, not only in requested wisdom, but God has actually revealed God's self to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, The wisdom of the ages has been revealed uh, to us, and yet another layer Maybe we might even say here the greatest layer uh, for us to experience the way of life. So let's ask this question here as we think about have you lost your way? How's your study? How's your prayer life? How's your connection with Christ? Do you find yourself becoming more and more disconnected from Christ's community? Do you find yourself becoming more and more disconnected? Uh, from that really personal, intimate relationship with your Lord and Savior. God has provided to each one of us the ability to experience God's wisdom and to go down a way of life and not to persist down the ways of death that we create for ourselves all the time. Are you availing yourself of that? The first time I heard this verse and the first time I took it seriously, this Proverbs text, I close with this. I was part of a class that was teaching us how to do personal evangelism. The expectation was we were going to go out and find somebody. Just think of that—you go out and find somebody, and you we were going to tell them uh, that God loves them and has a wonderful plan for their life. And then we were going to walk through the rest of the four spiritual laws with them. We had to memorize all the corresponding verses that went with that, and uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve was one of those verses. At the time, we had to memorize it in the King James. I remember uh, back then, so I I always have that rattling in my head when I see this text. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right? That's the text. Let me invite us as we close here uh, to consider something in light of what we've heard here in God's Word and what we've pondered this morning. There's a way that seemeth right unto God. There's a way that seemeth right unto God. A way that is recorded in the wisdom of Scripture. A way that is available by simple request from a loving and generous God. We might add here, a loving and generous Father on this day. And a way that has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And in the end, it leads to life. Friends, may that be our experience for each one of us this day and every day. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you on this morning for your great love for us, a love that's been demonstrated, a love that has been revealed, a love that continues to uphold your church and your people. And Lord, we pray as we have gathered around this word and we've pondered it, at the same time we recognize that we find ourselves straddling two ways oftentimes in life. So Lord, this morning we pray against those ways of death that we've chosen. Help us, Lord, to walk in the way of life. Help us to walk in your way. And as we do, Lord, we we are so grateful for the way that you've revealed your wisdom in your word, the way that you hear our prayers, the way that you've shown yourself in Jesus Christ. Lord, in our hearts of gratitude, we also offer to you our very lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.